This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's been an epic day of news here, uh, GBAC Nation, with the Mavs. We just recapped their trade day activity. And a lot of stuff happened with the Cowboys this morning and continues to resonate across Uh, This very conference room that we broadcast from Radio Row in Las Vegas. Our coverage brought to you by Low T Center. Yes, that's right. And Best Buy Windows and Siding. We'll have Andrew Zimmern, Celebrity Chef at 430, Brian. All right. Dude, he's awesome. He cooks some really strange things. He is uh, some strange things. uh, One of his uh, things he does for the Travel Channel and things are the, like, going to foreign countries and eating, like, yeah, eel or you yep. know, kind of, and it's like, well, how would you prepare? And he's kind of, he gives you the, the breakdown the, of it all. But he, the, he's the, an excellent chef. There's a hundred different interviews you could do with Andrew. You know, yeah, traveling he's been all over the world, recipes, yeah, yeah. shows. His backstory is insane, right? As far as you know, the the depths that he went to and climbed out of, a self-made man in a lot of ways, a redemption story, unlike any other. Here's Wolchuk with your NFL news of the day slash Cowboy stuff. If the Chiefs lose, I'll divorce my wife and no more sex for the rest of the year. That's how confident I am. Wow, dude, that's a bold take. That quote is from former oh. NFL wide receiver Chad Ochocinco. Wow. Dude, you are a moron. He was on fire this morning. Yeah, no McDonald's? That sounds insane. Are we buying this? What the hell? He is I that think we're getting into the there. Chiefs. This is Wait, not a butt cracking. This, is, this say, is CBS Sports. If the Chiefs again. lose, I'll divorce my wife and no more sex for a year. And then he goes on to add, if the Chiefs lose, I won't eat McDonald's anymore. That's how confident I am. Okay. I mean, that's like everything I think he holds dear. Yes. His wife, sex, and McDonald's. I think that's his... I think that's his Cigars have got to be in there somewhere, That's the too. Holy Grail. That's, that's his live, life, or live, laugh, love moniker. Like, that's his own personal one. Wifey, sex, McDonald's. Uh, but the thing about... Well, I guess the divorce thing, if you're actually going to leave your wife, we're going to know about it. The McDonald's one... You know, he, 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 could still, he could still probably eat the McDonald's, and no one's going to be able to really know that. But that's quite the take there. I, and that's really, that's really just what he should have said is... Instead of Chiefs, he should have just said Mahomes because that's what this is. You're betting on it's Mahomes. Just, it's just Mahomes. You're not going to bet against him. My goodness. Uh, I don't know that this game means more to anybody else now. That is a lot to put out there is for he lo- Chad Johnson. Can he lock that in with a casino somewhere to really? I'm sure that he has. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that he has. In fact, I think Des Bryant also said he has touched down here in Vegas. I'm sure he's going to go put something down on Kansas he, City uh, Mahomes as well. He, he said a lot of interesting things today. I was watching him on first take with uh, Shannon, and they were hilarious together. And but he, he also said Kadarius Tony is his X factor, the guy who's like oh. single handedly blown up four games <laughs> Could for them be this inactive, year. Possibly, like might yeah. not even play in this game. Oh, that's uh, incredible! You can't play him if you're the Chiefs. The big news from Radio Row and uh, Coyote Sh- Bite. Well, the, the Coyote Bite is still being investigated. Rabies. 
non-COVID. CBS Sports, uh, Maggie and Perloff, and, and shout out to Maggie who jumped on with the KMC Masterpiece earlier, but they had Emmett Smith, Cowboys legend, my favorite player of all time on the show. He had uh, some pretty harsh criticism from Mike McCarthy. Here's a little bit of what Emmett had to say on CBS Sports Radio earlier. Our team just seem, seems to be lost. I mean, I, I just I cannot put my finger on why it looks so, so bad. So if that's the case, why is Dallas bringing back Mike McCarthy next year? Because I'm not a GM. And, and to be honest with you, uh, I thought that that move would have been made uh, because of how bad it looked. Um, I, I, I think our team and organization right now give the appearance of becoming a great organization and being a great team. And they sell everybody on it every year. And, and selling people on it and getting the ratings around it is, is something that's important. But I think there are things that are much more important than all of the hype. Uh, I've never known the Cowboys organization to be a hype organization. Uh, but I think over the, when you look at our teams, we make the playoff. We look like we're capable of going all the way, but we don't uh, for some odd reason. I think that's a mental block. I think it's part of preparations of players not meeting the challenge and the expectations of becoming great and establishing your dominance as an individual player or as a group of group of men. Um, and I don't see that consistently um, from our team and our organization. Yeah, there's nobody like Michael Irvin used to do. I, I don't know who said it this week, but you know he, he he would look at everybody and say, "Don't let it be you today. You know, don't let you be the reason that with yeah. that this didn't come together for us." I do think in some ways, and I love what Emmett Smith is saying. He's echoing a lot of my same sentiments about this football team, but. I mean, they did beat Tampa. Then they had the two against San Francisco where they weren't the better team. I think the Green Bay loss is the only time that it's looked that bad to me, um, you know, at least in the playoffs. There, there have been games, but all teams have games. The Chiefs, you know, have lost some head scratchers over the last two years on their way to the Super Bowl. So I don't think you can take the incident of one game and extrapolate that into a full issue. But, I mean, you had San Francisco, huge debacle in the, earlier in the season. Yeah. You have Buffalo. You don't stand a chance. I mean, these these quality opponents. Yeah. You don't even you don't have life by halftime. Yeah. No. There there's something there. Um, but I also think they deserve more credit for things that have gone right. You know, and it's it's like sometimes we're talking about them like they're a team that didn't even make the playoffs and hasn't done so for three years. Yeah. yeah it's just a buildup of I think the last twenty eight years of playoff failures. Now eight of that is on Dak Prescott. Three of that is on Mike McCarthy. And McCarthy said it in his press conference after, uh, you know, the season, the first one when we knew for sure, all right, he's coming back. He was like, that's not our responsibility. You know, the 24 years of failure, whatever it was before Mike got here, that's not on us. But the fan base, that doesn't change how we're feeling about this frustration. And the bottom line is, when Dax had an opportunity to try and rewrite that narrative, he hasn't necessarily done a good job. Uh, he's played a couple of decent playoff games, but overall, you look at the way they went out against San Francisco and then specifically against Green Bay, he crapped the bed. And he'll probably be the first one to tell you that, but there is something about the team was not mentally ready to play. And that is a reflection of your head coach and Mike McCarthy going into the next season. Nothing you do anymore is going to matter in the regular season, right? I, we, we were seeing it this year. I've talked about this, Brian, on the text. It, you can't celebrate a Giants win, a Washington win, 
beating up on the Jets or whoever it is. It's all about what are you going to do when you get into January? Are you going to keep being the January jokes that we've seen for the last almost three decades, or are you finally going to do something and be the team that people expect and think you can be? Or else you can make all the excuses you want, but I don't think we're here to, to buy any of them anymore. Well, how many more excuses can you make? Yeah. they got to go out yeah. there and do it. And when the one thing that Emmett said that I didn't agree with is the hype organization. I don't know the Dallas Cowboys to be a hype organization. Maybe when you were there and you're winning Super Bowls, they weren't. Now all it is is a hype organization. It's all about, hey, we're going into Oxnard. Let's sell this thing. Let's try and get everybody back in. You got Dak. We got CeeDee Lamb. Micah Parsons. Hell, we got the NFL honors going on. Cowboys are going to be they're going to be there. They, they got a shot to bring home some hardware. You know what they don't have a shot to do is bring home a damn Vince Lombardi trophy or get a Super Bowl ring, and they haven't been sniffing that here in the last three decades. Yeah, but it's exciting because Micah has an opportunity to take home a celebrity all-star game basketball MVP trophy. And that's hype. That's a hype organization. Heck yeah. Yeah, they're absolutely about hype now. I think that when he said, but in recent years... I think he jumped to the next thought, but I think that's kind of what he was trying to infer there, yeah. that like at some point this did become a hype organization. It is. Do you, guys, do you guys feel like that Mike McCarthy might feel like he hasn't done anything wrong? That, like, you know, are you really going to get that sense of urgency from him and sense of, okay, you know, let's – I'm gonna, I'm gonna work. We're gonna, we're gonna get the roster. We're gonna do. I'm gonna coach. I'm gonna do. You know. That's what the press conference tone was from him. See, that I mean, to me, I just wonder. We're a championship organization. It just hasn't happened yet. Is I believe a, yeah. a very close. See, quote. I just wonder. Yeah. I wonder if with Mike, are you, are you really gonna get that, 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 kind of that pushing all in like we're talking about thing? He probably thinks he hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah. No. You know, he, he doesn't. I don't think Mike McCarthy probably feels like that he is part of the problem here. Well, I think in, in a lot of ways in, in sports in general in the NFL, because it's become a GM league, it's, it's, um, you've got to be a get-along guy. Right. You know? Um, so I, I like that, and I, I think, you know, Mike McCarthy, you know, specializes in that. And I think you can win like that if you have the best players. But part of getting along with this team is not making the Joneses uncomfortable, mm. right? You know from working with Parcells, you made right. it uncomfortable because you were insisting yes. on better, yes. and they let you go. Yeah. It, you know, Mike Vrabel, he's going to get in people's faces and insist it's better. They don't even want to talk to him. Okay, Don't get in anybody's face and tell Jerry your plan to win a championship is flawed. You know, I, I, and I think that is why nobody wants to like, pound the table for greatness because they want to stay working with the Cowboys. Yeah, I, just, I just think there's a side of Mike. I don't know if things are going to really change with Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy is going to go out there, you know, because he probably feels like, damn, I've won 36 games. No, it's going to take an expert salesman because Jerry's going to sniff it out, right? It's going to take an expert salesman to pick that lock and change Jerry's mind about what he believes he knows is right for football. So you have to be able to challenge him but somehow thread that needle of making it his idea as well. And if you can pull that off, you know, that's going to take a special guy. It's called managing up. You know, you're a star salesman. The CEO of your company isn't going anywhere, but you think he's an idiot, right? How do you get ideas home with keeping him in charge? And that's a very special communication skill and one that I, I think Mike McCarthy is you know, probably incapable of. But he's very good at getting along, reading the room, 
and you know knowing what it's it's going to take to keep the kumbaya going well, and look he's a good coach i mean he he's certainly been a drastic upgrade over the crap you dealt with with jason garrett for a decade which was mediocre football you're going eight and eight and then we'll have one good 12-year season so jason garrett can save and salvage his job at least now yes mike mccarthy has built a winning program you have gone 12 wins 12 wins 12 wins the question now is what is he not doing to have this team ready to play in advance in the postseason because that was a direct reflection on i don't know how he can look at the way his team came out and played against green bay on both sides of the football and say that i had them ready to play i wonder wonder if that all that dan quinn you know, four different interviews and jobs and all that stuff came into play. Yeah, the defense wasn't ready to play. Because you, yeah. I mean, you, you oh, wondered, offense, neither was the offense. You, you, you maybe, yeah. maybe it's a situation where uh, I don't know, and I, maybe Mike McCarthy could have walked in there, Dan Quinn. Maybe he did into Dan Quinn's office and said, "Hey, we got a lot of interviews, but we're trying to win playoff games here right now. We good? We yeah. good? We we locked in? The only reason was, I can't buy that as an excuse is it was year three of that." And at least your defense did play pretty well the previous two years against San Francisco. Maybe you're right. Maybe this year Dan was thinking differently about it, like this is my chance. I think th- I think Dan Quinn looked at this year as his final opportunity to get a job. I could buy that. I really do. I could. Uh, in addition to blocking Lundell Wells yesterday, Washington wanted to bring in Al Harris for an interview as well. The Cowboys said, no, 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 you're not doing that, according to Todd Archer. Al Harris will be staying with the Cowboys. They were given permission, the Washington Commanders were, to speak with assistant defensive line coach Sharif Floyd and quality control defensive assistant Pete Onegin. So uh, those will be two play, two coaches that possibly could go to Washington and join Dan Quinn's staff. I saw he's bringing in the old uh, the Eagles OC, Brian, Brian Johnson. Johnson. And I think he's going to be more of like a quarterback coach, yeah. which is where he's had tremendous success. Right. Certainly as a play caller, he struggled there in Philadelphia. Joe Tooney, the all-pro guard for the Chiefs, was really trying to get back and play in this game with a torn back. I mean, what a what a freak of nature. But Andy Reid saying Nick Allegretti, his backup, who started and played well against the Ravens, is probably most likely to get the call in his place against the 49ers. But what a story that would have been. My gosh, if Joe Tooney went out there with a torn peg and said, hey, I'm playing in this Super Bowl. Yeah, because that's an out-for-season injury. Like, if you get yeah. that in week one, it's like we'll see you next year kind of deal. The fact that it happened in, like, less than a month ago and they're even, like, possibly considering him giving it a go was was kind of – insane and far-fetched to me i mean the only guy i've heard of doing something like that was ray lewis the last time they won a super bowl i think it was a the torn peck? bicep yes. or was it bicep a peck? or peck was yeah. one of the two i think he yeah. might have torn it against the cowboys yeah and then he ended up coming back and, and he played in that super bowl he absolutely did do you guys realize frank gore has an opportunity to finally get a super bowl ring oh junior no senior was he on he was he on a team early in the year no he is working in the front office doing scouting both pro and college as a football personnel advisor for the san francisco 49ers i didn't know that look at that dude i had no idea about that either now uh of course his son was in frisco last week dominating the shrine bowl he looked absolutely fantastic from southern miss but i had no idea i saw the story like frank where has a chance to get a super bowl ring what did he do sign a 10-day contract with the chiefs or the niners or something no he's working in the front office he could absolutely suit up on super bowl Sunday and go average three and a half yards per carry right now today I don't know yeah. what kind of shape he's in but it's just that dude was guaranteed he's gonna get you the three and a half yards and he will do it in perpetuity forever until the day he goes down you could just say Frank I need three and a half yards right now I could use you I he's probably you. still working out with like the rookies you know coming into the league he's just a legendary worker I'm uh, a little surprised that 
you know, you wouldn't want to harness his skill set in your strength and conditioning department because the accountability there, the attention to detail, mm-hmm. the exceptional work ethic that he's demonstrated throughout his career to stay at that level. You know, but apparently he has a very diverse skill set, Wolchuk. Yep, absolutely. There's your NFL News of the Day. Thank you. Okay, now it is the G-Bag Nation. We are live on Radio Row. Our coverage here is brought to you by... Low T Center. And Best Buy Windows and Siding. We will have Andrew Zimmern on the A number 1 Air Hot Seat coming up at uh, 440. We'll talk with that celebrity chef. The uh, top 10's next, though, Zach. What do we have today? Greatest endings in Super Bowl history. Which one stands out to you the most? That's next in the fan. Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. That voice right there, Andrew Zimmer, celebrity chef. 26. He's doing 26 appearances here on Radio Road today. He's on the A number one air hot seat segments brought to you by the Frankels. Life's unpredictable. Accidents happen. Franklin and Frankel, the go-to attorneys for car and truck wrecks and DFW. If you or a loved one's been in an accident, contact the Frankels, 214 or 817-333-3333. Go online to truckwreck.com. I do think this is the most excited Brian's been for an interview. He's always talking <laughs> cooking on this show, Andrew. I tell you is what, this, really? this, yes, man, this man is a legend. Yeah, he is a legend. Well, he, thank he, you. That's he kind is of, a he's a teacher. He teaches you about food, and he teaches you all kinds of food and culture and culture. And the, yeah, your and show st- Bizarre Foods is incredible. Amazing, amazing content you do, sir. I, I appreciate that. It's very kind. You know, you were, we were talking about uh, right when we came up into into the live segment, and I said the words twenty six, referring to the the different places that I've been talking to folks. Um, and someone said to me, aren't you tired? And, you know, there's a part of me that's like, sure. I mean, yeah. I was up at 3 this morning. Sure. First hit was at 4 o'clock um, Pacific time. But the fact of the matter is is that there's nothing that I would rather be talking about than how we, we fight childhood hunger, how we statistically eliminate all hunger in America, and sort of what it takes to do that. You know, we're very, very lucky that we know where our next meals are coming from. Uh, and so many in this country don't. It, it's it's no longer fair. It's it, it, it's no longer criminal. It's not an embarrassment. I believe it's essentially genocidal because it disproportionately affects women and people of color. And since we have the capability to solve the problem, that we don't means we're purposely deciding not to. So somewhere out there, there are people who, if I ask the question, are you for keeping children hungry? They they're lying if they don't raise their hands. And I need to find those people. So I'm trying to talk to as many folks as I can. You're wow, that's an amazing job. message, Andrew. How, how do we activate here to, to uh, contribute? Well, I mean, I think the thing is, is that what a lot of people don't understand is that if you have the opportunity to get into the Oval Office and talk to, you know, a, a president and his staff, and I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to three 
from both sides of the aisle. This is not red or blue. This is not left or right. This is, you know, seven administrations kicking the, the hunger can down the road the same way they've kicked the immigration reform can down the road. And these are issues that lead to much bigger issues. When you sit there in the White House, someone turns to you and says, where does that program you're describing work? Where does it exist? Where can we see it? Because no president is going to roll the dice and risk having a, investing in a program and not looking good because they all want to get reelected, right? right? And if it's their second term, they need to have someone else in their party reelected. It's a systemic problem that creates, you know, a, a stuck-in-the-mud feeling. You have to be able to demonstrate where a program has worked. So when I look at great, great nonprofits like GenU, they go into schools, they partner with, you know, Quaker, PepsiCo Foundation, Frito-Lay, the NFL, creating programs, putting equipment and food back in schools so that we can then go to state governments and municipalities and say, this works. Dollar in, puts a dollar and a half, dollar seventy back in the community, right? Because we save all that money because the kids don't get sick. They attend more. Parents are at work more. I mean, so you can see that it actually is to our benefit. It's not can we afford to spend the $17 billion a year. It's we can't afford not to, right? We'll save $26 billion a year by sending 17 It's economics 101. Plus, morally, it's the right thing to do. So what I try to do is work with nonprofits of all kinds who are trying to do different things in the hopes that we can convince municipal and state governments to actually move the needle so that then we can go into Washington, D.C. and say, see, this works. Right now, we have five states that are offering a uh, essentially a free school lunch program that extends to breakfast and dinner. And in some states, like Minnesota, I'm very proud to say, it's 365 days a year, right? Because weekends and summer is where it gets really tough for mm-hmm. a lot of kids. 70% of kids in America are primarily fed, primarily. That means the majority of their food by weight and by meal comes in schools, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. We have to do better in this. I mean, these are kids. Mm-hmm. This is food. Right. I, it, it boggles my mind. And so I love the fact that we have taste of the NFL.com. I, I love the fact and, and this party on Saturday that raises so much money, the biggest fundraiser uh, of Super Bowl week, 100 players, Miss America, Cirque du Soleil, 40 chefs, and, and we raise a lot of money to, to do the right thing. It's Andrew Zimmern here with us. And, and thank you so much for your passion and your attention yes, on absolutely. that issue. We are in Las Vegas here for the Super Bowl. Yep. If you got one one night to go get dinner, where are you going? Uh, I was just asked this before, and uh, you know, luckily, a lot of your listeners are not here, yeah, and listening to me right now because then I'm standing online screaming at the door. I, but I have a reservation. <laughs> there are a couple of restaurants uh, off the strip that are as good as any in America, and there's a Japanese izakaya uh, about two and a half miles from where we sit called Abaria Raku. R-A-K-U. Now, there is a big Japanese restaurant, Raku, on the Strip, but it's not Abaria Raku. It's a small 60-seat kaiseki. Everything is flown in from Japan every single day. It's mostly uh, a lot of grilled food. It's absolutely out of this world. One of the best restaurant experiences you can have uh, in this city. I I also have to say, the argument was always, and I used to make it, you know, go to San Francisco, go to L.A., San Gabriel, San Gabriel Valley, go to Flushing, Queens in New York, and you'll find the best Chinese food in America, the best Japanese, the best Thai, the best Korean, the best Filipino. 
Las Vegas is now in the conversation. Las Vegas is now in the conversation. It's expanded its population so, so immensely over the last 15 years, the majority of which are immigrants from Asian countries, obviously Pacific to the western coast of the United States, and found jobs here in the desert as Las Vegas has grown. I don't know if you've noticed over the last decade and a half. And because housing is inexpensive, they can actually afford to work in the food service industry, unlike in other cities where you can't. Hello, Seattle. Hello, San Francisco, <laughs> Portland, New York. And they can actually develop uh, a, a, a a design for living that allows them to have a family and, and achieve the American dream. And the result of that for us as diners is that some of the best Asian food in the world is in this city. Hmm. And Abariya Raku is just one example, and I encourage people to get out there and seek out all these fabulous restaurants that uh, are about a mile and a half away serving some incredible, incredible food. I was going to ask you this question of, like, if there was, there's Super Bowl cities that get to host. Mm -hmm. And so you have, like, a New York that hosts. Terrible. And an L.A. Should never be there again. L.A. should never be there again. I was going to say, if you had to pick it just on, on restaurants as a host city... Well, I'll tell you something. Here's here's the deal. If if it's restaurants, you still have to get to them. Okay. The problem when we had to, and I've been to twenty four Super Bowls. I knew I knew the, this was the, yeah. the problem. Is is that if everything takes an hour and a half to get there, right? And everything is spread out all over the place, you don't mm-hmm. feel like you're in a Super Bowl city. The environment isn't conducive to it. I love, and and, and we haven't even played the game yet. I love Las Vegas as a Super Bowl city because you can walk everywhere, right? Right. You're not sitting there waiting hours and hours and hours. New York was a disaster. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, we're lucky people didn't fall off the, the, the train tracks. <laughs> was anyone there? I mean, you had to I take was, the train yeah. out, and then you had to switch oh. when you got over to the Jersey side, and they were pulling people along, and people were walking on the edge of those tracks. Now, it was five degrees. It was awful. And yeah. then it started to rain during yeah. the game. I mean, what a mess. And a $30 hot chocolate, I'm sorry, an abomination. Um, and, and I'm a New Yorker. Right. I love my hometown, right? right? Um, New Orleans, I, I mean... That's the only city in the world, and I challenge you to come up with another one, where when I say it, everyone at this table, who's if you've been there, yeah. can smell it and taste it. Your version of it. I mean, right mm. away, New Orleans. You, I mean, if you're a coffee and beignet mm. guy, you smell Café du Monde. You can mm. feel the dampness and the humidity two in the morning after you've been out with friends having coffee and beignets. Mm. Uh, or the smell of rue burning, you know, right. or chilies, uh, or that wonderful, you know, New Orleans Italian hybrid that exists only in that city. Um, so, as far as I'm concerned, you can have it here in New Orleans every single alternate years. Let's, you know, let's do do our best to support those restaurant communities. I would like to support restaurant communities everywhere. The problem in a lot of the cities, other than those two, is you just can't get to them. Mm. You know, good luck. Mm-hmm. Celebrity chef Andrew Zimmern here with you on the fan. This is outstanding. Okay, so what's your go-to Super Bowl recipe? Uh, my grandmother's tailgating pot of love. She called it <laughs> pea soup. I zhuzhed, I zhuzhed the crap out of that thing. I mean, I put smoked ham hocks. I put, you know, homemade garlic sausage in there after I browned it. A lot of dill. Copious amounts of, of vinegar to, to balance out all of that those fatty pork products. Uh, the recipe is on my website at andrewzimmer.com. We have a whole Super Bowl section, a tailgating section. I mean, I love sports and food. Bef- before Bizarre Foods, uh, 
Travel Channel tested me out, and uh, you know I hit the right number, and they said, okay, we want to do a show with this guy. And they, I made two pilots for them. I made World's Best Ballpark Foods, mm. and I made Bizarre Foods. And when I tell you I came home and told my, my then, you know, my first of nine wives, uh, <laughs> honey, I, I think I found my dream. And she's like, what's that? The traveling and the, the food? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to go to sporting events all over the world and eat the food there. And I'm going to live the greatest life of all time. And when they tested both of them, Bizarre Foods was, incre- you know, two-tenths of a point Ooh. rated better than the other one. I used to go to them all the time. I said, let's do both. Let me do a couple of sporting shows. Yeah. I mean, I, I do have to tell you, network executives are some of the, the most risk-averse people I've ever met in my life. Yet every success they've ever had yeah. has been because they took a risk. Mm. I mean... Barney, okay, we've got this purple dinosaur, right? <laughs> I mean, and someone said yes, but 100 people said no yeah. before that. Um, so, yeah, it's my grandmother's. I, I love food and sports, and I like to, you know, if we're watching World Cup and, you know, France is playing Italy, pick a team, theme it around that. Um, yeah, my grandmother's, look, I'm if gonna you're going to do a Super Bowl spread, you got to have something in the chip and dip category. Mm. Have to. Whether it's a hot artichoke dip or... You know, uh, guacamole. But you got to have it in the chip and dip category. You have to have something in the wing category. I think my Chinese spicy sticky wings on our website are great. Uh, you've got to have something in a bowl. Because when I put a warm bowl of something in your hand, oh. the, 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 then we're having an emotional transaction. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not just nutritional or financial or whatever. It's an emotional transaction. So, you know, you got to have something like that. you got to have a roast. You know, because I'm not making you a damn sandwich. I want to watch the game. So get up, slice the meat. I cooked it. Grab a bun. Grab your condiments. Make yourself a sandwich so that anyone at any time can grab that. You got to have a sweet of some kind, right? Fourth quarter. Got to have a sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you know, so when I think in there and I sort of rate like which of my favorite wing recipe, favorite meal in a bowl, chippy dippy. Yes. No roasty. Well, my my brisket. For brisket Ooh. sandwiches is is right up there, but you know we do that at holidays in my house because sure. I'm a nice Jewish boy from New York. Likewise. So I'm I, I'm going with Grandma's tailgating pot of love. At the taste of the NFL, I'm doing my black bean chili, oh, uh, which is a, a kick-ass Ooh. chili recipe. I encourage people to go to the the website. No paywall. <laughs> this isn't a shameless plug. Just go. There's a lot of resource there for people. You have time to go out and buy anything you want. You can soak black beans overnight. But we start with whole muscle pork shoulder, dice it up, brown it, and then start building off of that. It takes about four hours to cook, but the stovetop does all the work. Uh, but, yeah, it's a great chili recipe. What, That's what, right up there. What's your big Super Bowl no-no from a spread standpoint? Because, like, for me, it's like it's all about the dips. That's the headliner for me for the Super Bowl. And you can't do the community dip. Everybody's dipping it in there. There goes a thumb. All of a sudden, we're double dipping. Yep. You know, that, to me, you, oh, I dropped a chip. Now I'm digging. What are you, Howie Mandel? Yeah, like, what, what, like, what are we doing? <laughs> Trust me, he's very far from Howie Mandel. But when he gets to the dips, he takes it seriously. No, I take it seriously. you got to tell him who Howie Mandel is. Dead I'm with you. Deal or no deal? I'm with yeah, okay. you. I'm glad you know. Yes. So that's my biggest, That's my, like, like put a bowl there and I'll, like let's self-serve it. Now you take your own dip to your couch and you can do whatever you want you know with what, your own dip. Do you, want, you know what I don't like? And you literally just, as I was about to say it, you said the opposite of it oh, no. in the last four words. No, no, no. We're on the same oh, page. Okay, good. <laughs> do what you want with it. 
What I don't like is when I go somewhere and there's eight bowls of chili already yeah. out. If they're going to get cold. I can't mm-hmm. eat yeah. one of everything at the same time. And it has onions and sour cream and avocado and cheese because the person saw it in some ridiculous food magazine and it was a pretty picture. It's like that's food styling. Put the other things around the like I want to have choices yes. with my food, right? Um, not everybody wants it blazingly spicy. Yeah. I know if I'm cooking for my kid Noah, he and I can say we have the same spice. But like, okay, we're good, right. right? I know what level of heat I'm cooking. Everyone else, you know, Uncle Henry, I mean, a, a little bit of black pepper, and he's got angina. <laughs> so, you know, put something hot on the side with it, right? Yeah. I don't want you ever go to a party and there's a bowl of guacamole and someone decides to make, I call it a porcupine. All the chips are in the guacamole oh, yeah. getting soggy. You yeah. can't even oh, get it out of worst. there. Just leave it alone. Give everyone the opportunity to make their own. And mm-hmm. I will tell you, for those listening who think I'm crazy, the more you involve your your guest with making the food decision for themselves, the more attached they will be emotionally to the thing. They have built Ooh. it themselves. When I'm cooking, I like to give my guests or customers in my restaurants the choice. Okay. Right? It, it, it attaches. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's 101. If you order a chocolate sundae in a restaurant and it comes with everything on it and there's something you don't like, you know, like the cherry or the whipped cream or whatever, you push it to the side, you're starting out with a negative emotional transaction. If I bring you the ice cream and all, like, six different fixings and then the waiter puts, server, puts a little tub of hot chocolate sauce and caramel sauce down and says, go for it yourself. You're in love. Yeah. You're in love. You're pouring stuff. You're de- yes. you're making your own thing. You're five years old again, right? It's fun. It's playful. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, you know, food shouldn't be so serious. You know, except that eating well in America, even eating is a class issue, right? So let's at least, for those of us that have it, try to enjoy it, not take it so seriously. And when you're entertaining at home, make sure you give your guests the choices. Don't make all the choices for them. Andrew, you talk about your restaurants and being in kitchens and stuff. Have you ever had staff want to kick your ass? All the time. Did you, like, MF your staff? Would you be, like, yelling at them and stuff like that for service and things like I'm that? S- I'm 62 years old. Yeah. When I came up, I was beaten in restaurants. Yeah. Um, I was hit in restaurants. Yeah. Um, hurt people hurt people. Um, <laughs> I put, I put a, a, a French oyster knife through my hand. When I was 18 and a half years old, cooking at a three-star Michelin restaurant in Paris. And I poured vodka on it and wrapped my hand in cloths that probably weren't clean. And I worked the rest of the shift. Because if I had left, they wouldn't let me back in. They wouldn't let you back in. That's the way it was in the early, late 70s, early 80s when I was sort of coming up. I learned very quickly from uh, one of my partners in 1994... I was a chef in a restaurant. It was the, the it was rated number one in Minneapolis, right? Not too shabby. Major right. American city. I've got the best restaurant in town. And he looks at me, and we were celebrating, like, our one-year anniversary or something, and he got he made some sort of negative comment. And I said, what do you mean by that, Michael? And, and he said, you know something? We're lucky. We got a line of people trying to get in here to work with you that, thank God, is a little bit bigger than the line of people leaving. <laughs> and it turned out what I sucked at was managing other people. Sure. You get nothing by yelling right. at people. Right. You need to enroll people. And it was that mo- I was a different person 
the next day at work. No one had ever said that sure. to me. I no longer thought it was funny to harass servers. I understood the concept of team. Like It's like my everything changed. I realized, oh, my God, that's what's holding me back. And luckily, after that, I was able to have an extreme amount of, of success. Eric Repair, who I believe is one of the you know, 10 greatest chefs in the world, is the same thing. Once he discovered and became a practicing Buddhist, he stopped even raising his voice in a kitchen. He won't wow. even shout if he's trying to get someone's attention because he doesn't want to create that bad habit for himself. I, I think we get so much in this world by enrolling other people rather than marginalizing sure. them. Um, and, and look, do I make mistakes? Sure, but I have never made that mistake again. Yeah. Wow. You're the man, Andrew. Thank you so I much. It. Thank, Thank you so much, much Andrew. I love this. This is my favorite part of the whole trip <laughs> right here. <laughs> I Move over to Darren Woodson. I tell you, no, this is my favorite part. When you see, we go back to Dallas, we talk about who was our best interview. Boom. Right there. Zim Day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have me on any time. Call. We'll talk food. We'll talk sports. Let's do it. Whatever whatever you want to do. Check out those recipes. They're all good. They're all good. Andrew Zimmern, Celebrity Chef. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great weekend here in Las Vegas. We're live on Radio Row, and Andrew's stepping away now from the A number one hot seat. We had so much news across uh, DFW today, and we'll come back and talk more about those storylines next. It's the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan. Welcome back, G-Bag Nation, home of the Cowboys. Clarence Hill here on Radio Row, Cowboys reporter. We're talking with him in the break about who the Cowboys are going to hire at defensive coordinator. We'll chat more about that storyline coming up at 520. So many irons in the fire. A huge day for the Mavericks at the trade deadline, getting P.J. Washington from the Hornets and uh, uh, is it Gaffert? 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 Yeah, from uh, Gaffert from Washington. They get a, a great uh, power forward scoring option in around 14 points per game. I think you can push that to 17 or 18. And then they get a center who can pick and roll and probably give you some rebounding. And there's Wayne Newton. So many uh, celebrities here wow. from these days and, and beyond in Las Vegas. Okay, but Tank on first take this morning as I, as I was watching. And i got to tell you, I think first take is much better with Shannon Sharp. Um, I think a lot of these debate shows have decided that just the two hotheads t- yelling at each other is not going to work. So they've turned it much more into a roundtable. And uh, I enjoy the show more uh, these days than I have in the past. But anyway, they had Tank on. And he and Micah disagree. That was one of the uh, headlines of the conversation. Micah says the Cowboys need more good players. And I agree with that. Tank says we have enough. Where you, where you at with that one, Chief? Well, I think uh, we, we, we've all, I mean, we spent a season interviewing Tank. I don't think he's, he's here to give you a quote. I don't think he's here to really be honest about too much. I think he's just there to, I'm sure he was promoting something, and that was about it. He doesn't want to get in the weeds on that. He's like, hey, that's above my pay grade. Uh, so He did say that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, different that's, different uh, question, but yeah. That's pretty much what I would imagine how he would approach that. So I don't think those are his real feelings. Okay, he also said at the, in the playoff game they were tired which is crazy because of Mike, how Mike McCarthy has coached them to remain strong and, and, and fresh. That was, that was interesting. They definitely tired. looked tired, didn't they? Yes, well, they looked lost. They all looked they, – they had like a, a they really looked over lost. their face. That the, the game, their, their plan for how they were going to attack the – the Packers clear, clearly excuse me, had a plan of how to attack the middle of the field. That is yeah, a we're tired. What, I mean, a, what the hell are we doing here? He went on to say, let's give credit to the Packers. How many games do the Cowboys play? 18. Right? How many games does the rest of the NFL play? How many games do the At 49ers least play? The Chiefs play? The Packers going? They play the same amount of games, right? Going into that weekend. So everybody's yeah. a little tired, right? Yeah. Who wants it a little bit? You got your ass kicked because you weren't tired. You didn't want it. Yeah. We were tired. 
you know what? We're all tired. It's like when Dusty Baker said we're all sick. That's the biggest weak-ass excuse I've ever heard. We were tired going yeah, to the playoffs. Wake the hell up. Have some smelling salts. Let's get going. It's the playoffs. Yeah. It, to me, I don't know how much. Do you like playing the game? Do you want to win a championship? You're tired. Yeah, they're not what taking. What the hell are we doing? Well, it's a Hall of Fame uh, cranking up of the excuse machine, if I've ever heard Ooh. one. I mean, Good that, God, that's, the that's, BS meter. That's first ballot right there. Secondly, they're not taking a page out of the great Sean Lee's book. He was never tired because he's drinking coffee on the sidelines out of his there you special go. stuff Gatorade bottle. Just just freaking figure it out. Get some co- get a coffee station down there. I was there. tired, guys. I didn't play tired. Out that is one of the most epic it's Cowboy excuses playoffs. of all time. What's, what's the powder? The, is it C4? Uh, yeah, 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 the C4. That's yeah. What, yeah, they had a C4 game. Uh, whatever it takes, man. That's, yeah. that's, that's a joke. Uh, Shannon Sharp had a great... That's a get the hell off my football team kind of thing to say. Thank right you. There. I like what that. The hell, we were tired. Yeah. So at the they end of the, a bunch of crybaby b words. At the end of the interview, is. Shannon Sharp held the floor with volume for about forty five seconds, telling Tank, "It is your job to make people accountable. You're you're the oldest guy on the team. You've been here the longest." And he was like, "Tank, it's up to you to make sure they're doing all the right things and and not getting tired." But I I, I did think that that tired thing was fascinating, and I would just like to suggest for anybody that might be listening, <laughs> this is this this is where you look into to vitamin s you know what can give you great muscle endurance yes like the vitamin s nothing you know there's no replacement for it so you know i i, I do know robert quinn got suspended for two games when he dabbled into that on the other side of 30 right before he came to the cowboys it was a two-game suspension yeah. okay we don't care about regular season games i want to see multiple dudes get two game suspensions we'll play week one and week two i don't care Ugh. if they're zero and two we're ready to rock Jesus. from that point into January. Cosign. That's the leader of my defense, and he's saying we're tired. I mean, a two-game suspension, game. the NFL is actually asking you to use performance-enhancing drugs. Good no brain. God. If you guys want to do it, that's fine. You're going to sit out two games at the start of the year. Hey, okay. sounds like you need it because you're so exhausted. The, the two you. games off will help you. He was asked about the spotlight of playing in Dallas. Says he feels like they're playing a Super Bowl every Sunday. And maybe it's mental fatigue oh, of the yeah. exhaustion of going through a year with that new cycle just constantly cranking on you. I know, I know it's got to be stressful. I, I know it's a lot of uh, work, but I don't think any Cowboys fans want to hear that. They probably all had the same reaction that Wolchuk did. The presenting sponsors of Radio Row, of course. Low T Center. And Best Buy Windows and Siding. Trey Wingo is going to jump in that A number one air hot seat when we get back. It's the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.